You are listening to Waging Peace, the podcast that hosts hopeful conversations with peacemakers and world changers about how we can take action to make our communities more just, equal, and connected. I'm your host, Diana Ostrike. I'm so glad you're here with me. Buckle up, because these episodes are going to change you in all the best ways. Nicholas Smith, welcome, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you for having me. How I don't know if everybody knows, but your book is just here and you're hugging it like a little baby in your arms. (laughs) I am. How do you feel? I feel amazing. Um, it's been it's been a long time coming and it's it's uh I feel like it's been 10 years because of my my Sunday sketches you know, this year being 10 years. Um, so it's feel, it feels like it's been a long time. I'm very excited. Glad it's out in the world. And I've I've heard some amazing feedback and, you know, people are, are really enjoying it and it's doing what it's supposed to do. And what, you know, as, um, what was your greatest hope as a dad, as an artist? You know, like, what is mm-hmm. your greatest hope for this book? Um, I think I feel like it is kind of that that just that whole idea of of artivism in general, which is like it's trying to inspire everybody to make a positive change. Yes, but like the the end result of that is like we're we're actually living in a a world that. I would want my three-year-old to live, to be living in when he's, when he's growing up and like, you know, things are actually more just and fair and, you know, the, the planet's being taken care of and, you know, everything is kind of working as it should kind of like, there's this, this final spread of the book where kind of like the, the, the final mural is kind of like (laughs) things are kind of being put back together, pieced back together. Um, in a way that seems a little bit more whole. Um, so that's, that's really the the goal. That's, that's the plan. I can't help it. But when you, um, when you're describing your book, I'm a mother of a 15 year old stunning black boy and a 16 year old white boy. And we just mm, sent them okay. back to school. And wow. what you said about so wanting to have our children have a world that's put back together that is worthy of them i feel like that is the cord and that's the thread and that is what i don't care who you are this is for you and this is for us and i feel like Mm -hmm. your book one super wildly beautiful like if you see one of the pages you will never forget it never forget that page that moment that feeling and i think it catapults us into believing that we can that our world can be put back together which is what waging peace is for me i was a soldier so i learned how to wage war which is destruction and Mm -hmm. I believe that we can unmake the violence and equalities 
that we see is going to take something bigger, an emotion that's bigger than violence or fear or hate. But I've seen it in action, and I feel like that's that's the heartbeat of your book. And so I just want to dive right in. And you say that this is your most personal work yet. And so I want to start there and center you. So when you walk into a room, what are the invisible life experiences that shape your art and how you see the world? Um, I feel like I feel like every any any place I go to, any any environment that I'm in, there's all of my my upbringing is like kind of shaping that. Um and also, you know, you know, from you know, from elementary school all the way to to college, like, um, and even even beyond that, um, you know, I grew up in in Texas in the South, black kid in the South. Um, I <laughs> I had a lot of you know interesting experiences, you know, just just even being in the school system where you are, you know taught about certain quote unquote heroes and um you're shown if you're a, a black kid typically you're shown um what racism is um and hate and um a lot of those things are you know just kind of instilled from from a young age and so um, going from that to, um, you know, predominantly white schools in Texas, then um, going to an HBCU in Virginia, Hampton University. Um, just like that understanding all these these different groups of people in America and then understanding how, you know, my people ended up here. Um, and then beyond that, um, being able to... I. I illustrated the 1619 project born on the water and being able to illustrate like how all of that um visualize how you know my people got here um it's just interesting to to see all these different groups of people throughout my life and um i carry all of that with me and in and everything that i do um but the interesting thing is when i got to california um I I was a theme park designer for 11 years after college and um seeing seeing even more different groups of people than I was I I was ever used to seeing I had to unlearn a lot of things that I learned growing up in a you know you know very religious um place and very religious household um you know I unlearned a lot and to to my benefit I think and um um, really started to what I call like um, meet not like you people. Like I have this piece that says meet as many not like you people as you possibly can. Um, and that, you know, just getting an idea of how wide, you know, of a scope of all of humanity is um, that I think that will change everybody's perspective, you know, and um so I I kind of like I, I carry all of that with me and I it informs everything that I do and it really informs all of my artwork now. Um just really trying to for one, like put people in the shoes of some in the shoes of someone else that you might not know or have lived with or around, you know. 
Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of how that how how I see the world now. And what were just one or two things that you did unlearn? I feel like there's kind of a power of specifics. So if there is yeah. something that you would like yeah. to share. Um, I would say, um, just the, just the idea of like, you know, I guess in terms of, well, in terms of religion, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot there that I, that I, that I did have to learn, but I think it, I think it all has to do with, um, you know, being, being solely around um people who are who are like you it's like I, like i said like being like getting to know not like you people the the opposite of that would be you know only stay around the people that are like that are exactly like you um and um because you know in 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 religious circles you know that's that's how you are taught. Like you don't, don't let people who are not like you infiltrate your mind. And, yes. you know, you know it, it's just like that it's, it's kind of scary when, when there's people who are very siloed and closed off like that, like you can do crazy things, you know? Um, and, and until you start to see that there's people on the other side of the world who have, no idea why you have this like this system of beliefs and they have their own system of beliefs and but they're also beautiful people and wonderful people um and even not on the other side of the world but like across the border like just you know a couple miles away um who are amazing people just like you you know um and so it's like that was I feel like that was probably the biggest thing it's just like breaking that I agree and not being I... afraid just not being afraid of there's there's so much fear connected to it and it's like don't don't be afraid of like other people and I think when and that's we... like yeah sorry I was just gonna say in the book there's this there's this like part where there's this this monster of like all the broken bones all the things that aren't working right in the world and um there's like a wall and it says us versus them like just that concept of us versus them is is pushed on a lot of people um especially in america and it's like we gotta we gotta break that preach it nicholas because that yeah. <laughs> us versus them i feel like we're raised in it and given to yeah. it and and by people that love us and want good things for us. So if we are going to replace that us versus them with everybody's in our jurisdiction to love and to care for, mm -hmm. and we are team humanity of 8 billion people that all matter, I think we have to replace yeah. it with something else. And I think your book does that with the art and with the ideas. And also, I'm a big believer that adults will do better for their kids. So if you read, uh -huh. you might read a book to your child and the biggest change that happens is in you. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think it's this beautiful thing that we're willing to reimagine the world for our kids, even if it pushes on some of our buttons. So 
I am grateful that you put that in your book for us. You are a concept artist, an author, and an activist. But more than that, I see you challenging injustice and indifference by refusing to accept racism and police brutality quietly. Your art is a blowhorn. It wakes us up to beauty and loss. You help us grieve the loss of life collectively and see the humanity that requires us to make change because joy is our birthright. Your book asks Mm. us, do we believe art has the power to heal? How have you experienced healing through art? Um, well, this this whole journey of of Sunday sketches, which has now been 10 years, it started as artist therapy. I mean, I was um 10 years ago, I was going through a divorce. It was like the one of the hardest times of my life. And I wanted to just like pack everything up and move back to Texas and all that stuff. And, um, you know, one of my friends encouraged me to just like keep making art, just like make art through it. And it, it, it was really art as therapy. Like all of this started as art as therapy and just putting some sort of pen or paintbrush to paper or digital pen. I was literally like learning digital painting and Photoshop. Um, and that's, that's how this all started for me. Um, and, and it really just became that process of like trying to, trying to heal through just making art, but then it turned into making art about what was broken in the world. And then, you know, like all these things kept happening. Um, Trayvon Martin's killer was found not guilty and there's a hoodie movement. And I made the piece of Martin Luther King Jr. in a hoodie. And when that went viral and I ended up talking about it on CNN and that was like the weekend that Black Lives Matter movement began, which was 10 years ago. Um, And so that was the time where it's like, okay, like if you're an artist and you're you care about the world. You're, you you are now an artivist. Like <laughs> you have to, like there's too many things happening where you, you couldn't just like be silent or just make art about anything. Like it was just like, you know, this is your this is the moment to be an artivist. And there was a healing in all of that. And then people started to tell me like, your art is helping me heal. It's helping me you know, cry or smile or get through this trauma um, just by seeing your art. And a lot of times people don't know exactly what to say. Um, so they'll just share the artwork or even just looking at the artwork and just, you know, sitting with it for a little bit. So it it became this whole like artist therapy kind of movement, um, which is what it, it started with for me. Um, and that was just that in itself was was healing. Um, so it was a whole different type of healing to begin with. And then it became like too many traumas happening back to back to back in the world that we have to figure out how to heal from. And the genius thing about, I was talking to somebody and I was like, what is it about Nicholas Smith's portraits? Because when George Floyd was murdered, and it was in my home state, Minnesota, in Minneapolis, mm. the portrait you did of him echoed around the world. It wasn't just in Minneapolis, and it wasn't only for yeah. 
the black community, it went everywhere. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know because so much of art is undescribable. But when you yeah. painted George's face and it went around the world and across the country and in communities and people kept putting it in the air, I feel like it was like after a storm where it's the darkest, most destructive summer storm and you look in the sky and there's this rainbow that in a moment you, mm. you saw the beauty of someone mo most of us had never met. And we also felt the loss of his life. And so when people shared that portrait, I felt like it was this linking arms that said, no more. This was, this life was lost, but you took it from all of us and we're going to demand mm -hmm. justice for him yeah. and everyone else. And I, that's the power. I think you put this humanity in a, in a picture that allows people to step into the story. Um, Thank you. I just got to show you that right here. Sorry, podcast friends, you can't see oh, this, yeah. but this was given to me by a friend in Iraq. Wow. And a refugee in Iraq Amazing. did this incredible embroidery of George Floyd. Beautiful. And my friend sent it to me from Iraq because people everywhere saw themselves. When you see, your government taking a life from a citizen like mm -hmm. that is a universal thread that yeah. everybody wanted to step into that story yeah and i try to um just show like the like i said the, the humanity and and people in these portraits and usually they're looking at you in the face like they're they're staring at you um and they're asking a lot of questions in that stare you know um, why was my life taken? Why, why did somebody feel like my life wasn't important? Um, and I think there's just so much that you can, you can get from looking at somebody in the eyes, even, even if it's a painting, you know? Um, and so I, I just wanted to kind of do that. And, you know, also I, I put him in a, I had just done one of, of Ahmaud Arbery in a tux and I wanted to put George Floyd in a tux as well um partially because it's a you know a lot of times in the black community we talk about like a celebration of life rather than a funeral a celebration of life um and just to to show him in a in a different way that he was you know had been typically portrayed um and i don't know there's there's just something that people people seem to gravitate when they see when they see like a these portraits of you know people looking at you it's like it's almost like you have to face you you do have to face them as people and face their humanity um and it's i don't know it's a beautiful thing it also was very helpful that michelle obama retweeted it <laughs> um she well she shared the the three portraits of george floyd amada brain brown taylor um and that was that was unbelievable um and to see that kind of support. Um, and again, just like, you know, people just willing to to share the humanity of other people, especially, you know, lives that are lost. And uh, that's because that's such a big part of my my work, like 
it had to be kind of like I felt like it had to be the anchor of the book, the artifice. And um there's a there's a young boy who was um you know his life was taken um due to police brutality and you know these are things that i'd never thought that i would be putting in picture books <laughs> but it's like it's important and you know it's i i have to show this stuff and um there's you know you'll you'll see you'll see this kid his name is jay you'll see him um throughout the book in different ways um even on the on the tv like in the little there's a little ticker on whatever news channel is on tv you'll see his his name kind of in the headlines um and the mural at the end and on the on the you know on the signs in the police protests um you'll see you know jay's life mattered um and in in the book he is a representation of all of those portraits that i've done I think it's important that we get to see that representation and not only for um, for the black community, but also for all of these kids who their families are not facing this reality and their families are not. Mm -hmm. They don't get served racism at their school from kindergarten on up. And so for them mm -hmm. to start seeing the stories that other people are living connects us to the empathy that I think kids are bent. They're made for this. If we give them a story, they want to be in a good story. And they really do want to be the heroes. And heroes do good. They make positive change. Heroes, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we understand heroes and villains. And yeah. villains are the ones who take lives. They're not the ones who protect them. Yeah. You are a dad raising a son of color. How can all of us raising kids encourage them to find their unique power as an artivist? Um, I would say, you know, it it helps just to to listen to your kids. Um, the kids have this ability to like, I would say, like come up with limitless solutions on how to fix things. Um, but a lot of times kids aren't, aren't listened to really like, it's kind of like, oh, that's cute. But it's like, no, really listen to what they're saying. <laughs> like there, there's a solution there. Um, and the, the crazy thing, it's like a lot of times it is like so simple, but it's like, why can't we do it? Like as adults, like, why can't we just implement this very simple solution? Um, and so I would just say, like, in encourage your kids there. You know, <clears throat> every kid is an artist. <laughs> every adult is creative. Even if you stop making art, <laughs> you know, you, every I say everybody has the ability to to make art. And so everybody can be an artist. Um, but especially like the young folks, like they are just they're just they don't a lot of times they don't have that fear yet of like um you know, not wanting, not wanting people to to see their art and be criticized. It starts to happen very young, but like, you know, there's, there's still, you know, so many young people who are just fearlessly just creating. Um, and we have to amplify those, those pieces of art, those stories, those songs, all those things that are being created. Um, 
and maybe just like you know put it out there for the world to see in some some sort of way um because all the solutions are there um we just have to like we have to listen to them and for somebody who is a budding artist and activist or is starting to hear that they can make a change with who they are and what they Mm -hmm. make. What do you think is the most powerful way to encourage young artists, whether they're in our house, in our neighborhoods, in our schools or online even like Mm -hmm. what do artists need to hear to give them more courage? Um, I think I think they need to hear that their art uh that that people believe in their art like we be- we believe in your art basically but not like not just like to hear that phrase but like to really feel that idea like we we believe in your art means that um this thing that you just created okay what is the message of that what is what is the message of that? And then once you, once you actually see what these young folks are creating, okay, how can we get behind that? What can we what can we do to help you know like really advance that message? That's that's really what like believing in somebody's art means. Um, um, that's that's the whole thing of like believing in love, like believing in you know, um, in the book, it says like, you know, love is a verb, love is a verb is a huge theme of the book, you know? And so like, if you really, if you really believe in love, then you will, you know, get up and do something. Um, you'll, you'll make an actual choice to do that thing that you, that you see that you might say, um, you got to do that thing. And so like, if, if you believe in in the artivism and in the artwork, you got to get behind it and 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 do something. Um, and that that really starts to change things. Like even you'll see, like people, you know, will, you know, put their name on petitions and and even just that simple act of signing a petition. Like it's like as it grows and grows and grows, like it can actually start to change you know, laws and, and how, how things are put into effect in, in the justice system. Um, and so, you know, it takes, it takes like a little bit, but it's, if everybody's doing it, then it, it will really change some things. That's really beautiful. You are creating a bridge for people from the headlines they read in the news to the humanity that connects our well-being to each other. And this was put on full display when my home state of Minnesota was reeling after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. The portrait that you created made connections between people across communities, our country, and around the world to link arms together for George. People mourned together and held up that portrait to demand justice. When I look for people activating justice and instigating joy, that was a moment when I saw it in action with art and activism and connecting us. And you were doing it. And that's when I first heard your name was when it was coming around. And you've said, if I can grab people's attention, I want to show them how we can move forward. What is one action we can take that you believe will move us forward? Um, I would say one thing would be just 
standing up for marginalized people, marginalized communities, even if you are a part of a marginalized community, whether you are or not, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stand up for, for these, these folks who are, you know, systematically being pushed down. Um, it's very easy to, to kind of avoid it and, and act like it's not there. Um, I live in Los Angeles. Um, it's very easy to do that in Los Angeles. Um, there's, you see the, the, the beauty and and the, the lavish lifestyles and all that on TV. Um, but there's many parts of LA that are not that, (laughs) um, there's, there's, you know, entire communities in, in South LA that are, that are totally, you know, in many ways they are, they're the result of like systemic oppression, um, and racism. And it's easy for people to just like (laughs) drive right past and act like it doesn't, they don't exist, you know, Watts and, um, you know, um, all these different communities where it's like, we gotta, we gotta fight for these people. You know, they, they, they have worth just like we have any, you know, anybody else, any other community has worth. Um, and we gotta, we gotta stand up for them. And so I would say that, that would be the one, one big thing. I think people have the hardest time with being an activist because you know there's like activist and then there's mm-hmm. well i'm i'm only signing that petition or i mm-hmm. only show up when we have a march and there is i mm-hmm. i think there's just this real i think people are worried to ever call themselves an activism but if that keeps people from showing up then mm-hmm. do you feel like the inviting people to be activists is a way to help people cross that bridge to show up for marginalized yeah. communities? Yeah, like maybe it's maybe it's, you know, seeing yourself as an artist. I don't know. Like you if you connect it to, you know, some creative outlet that you have. Um and I talk about in the book, like it's it's you know, it's not just painting, it's, you know, it's, it's poetry, it's dance, it's film, it's, um, whatever creative outlet that you have, um, use that to, there, there's tons of artists, literally like illustrators. Um, um, I was, you know, I was in the, the Disney circles for 11 years and, um, I know tons of, you know, artists who, who, devoted so much of their life to just making beautiful pieces of art that that people are captivated by um but they could also i i i try to encourage them also to like you know take some time to make make an art piece about this thing this issue that can like help this community over here um because your art is beautiful and you can get like millions of eyeballs on it. So make something that will, that will kind of alert people and say, Oh, I can, Oh, I didn't know about that issue. I can, I would like to help, you know? Um, So I think, I think it just, 
it just it takes just a little tweak or a, a little shift for especially a lot of creatives who who do a lot of creative things and um can just implement a little you know take a little bit of time to throw a little bit of sprinkle a little activism on it <laughs> and then you know make something that that can actually get people motivated to to do some make some sort of change so i think that's what we need we need to be told yeah that everybody is an activist like we have that and we just have to show up and do it because yeah. love love shows up and i was thinking about activist just even the word because that's like a dirty word in some circles and there's shade on it in other right. circles and then there's just like imposter syndrome on the other side and the it's never enough mm-hmm. and but i was thinking about it yeah. and everything that we love we actively show up for whether that's mm-hmm. your relationship you actively show up for it. If it's your kids, it's your job. And so I was like, everybody believes yeah. activism is the litmus test for what we care about. That's the train you got to ride. So I love that your mm-hmm. book is inviting people into a big word that may feel like it's for special people and not kids or not anybody who doesn't have a bunch of Instagram followers. So thank you yeah. for even saying you can sprinkle a little activism on what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it, you know, take some time. Cause it's like, I don't know, like it goes back to my, my upbringing and like being in school and, you know, having these textbooks that like, they spent a lot of time crafting these heroes. And I learned a lot about Davy Crockett in the Alamo growing up and a lot of these things that were just like, that, that wasn't really, these weren't really heroes, but why did we have to learn about all this stuff? But like, it it's like that thing of like, you know, the thing that you spend your time on is that's what, that's what you love. And they spend a lot of time <laughs> trying to craft this narrative for us to learn about. And I'm trying to just like kind of like level the playing field right now and, and you know, make it more balanced, you know. Um, I think you do it really, really well. So before we wrap up, um, I want to ask you, where can we buy your book and how can we um, bring artivism? to where we live and to the to the world yes uh so the artivist is available everywhere books are sold um anywhere amazon um barnes and noble target indie bookstores um all over the place probably a lot of libraries um so go get it and um it has also also for teachers like they penguin has created a educator's guide for the classroom so like that's really huge and it's it's uh it's going to be out soon um so you can like follow along there's there's so many different like lesson plans and things that you can implement that are connected to the book um and i think that's that would be even you know even if you're not a quote unquote teacher, like that guide would be a great way to kind of help 
get going if you don't know where to start in terms of like like training young artists or even yourself just like going through this guide um it really breaks everything down um it helps learn about it helps you learn about like artists and throughout history um and that's a lot of a lot of you know what i do is also like finding activists online um that's one easy way just like there's um tons of activists on social media um find something that they are actively advocating for and make some art about that or you know like shine a light on all these different things um connect yourself to a cause like what is that cause what is that thing that you wish you could fix in the world that broken bone connect yourself to that make some art about that um simple as that i love it and before we wrap up i have some rapid fire questions for you so this is a little bit okay. of like a game show you don't have to cool <laughs> it's whatever right. comes there's <laughs> only three and they're they're whatever comes out of your mouth nicholas you got this okay All right. <laughs> you're looking very apprehensive right now <laughs> <laughs> They are purely for fun. And I also kick them around around our dinner table, which is hilarious. And it changes weekly. Nice. So first one is, what's your purpose? My purpose. My purpose is to um, bring the world together through my art and uh, inspire people to make a positive change in the world. Yeah, it is, Nicholas. Um, yeah. How do you play? How do I play? Um, I play with my three-year-old <laughs> running around <laughs> with the uh, excavators and monster trucks. <laughs> that's that's Just, how I play. That's how he plays. So that's how I play. Don't ever. Oh, the Lego stage you will love and Ooh. it will kill you at the same time. They are yes. so sharp. Last mm -hmm. one. What is your superpower? Um, my superpower is um, painting the the soul of a person, getting people to see the soul of somebody else. Straight up. That is. Like, you know, when someone says your purpose and you're like, yeah, but I see 27 more in you. But that <laughs> that is wild, Nicholas. That is exactly yeah. what what is true that you're doing. So thank you so much for being here and for giving us your time, for letting us celebrate the artivist with you and teaching us with your story. This thank was you. awesome. I, I, thank you. I, I'm so glad that we could do this. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've listened to the entire episode. Big high five and a hug. Know someone who needs to be reminded that they matter? Share this episode and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Because we need to find our people and our people need to find us. We're a community of courage activators shouting for you to pull up your seat at the peacemaking table because you are exactly what our world needs. See you next time. <laughs>